went on a great trip on the west coast of uh, South Dakota. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not only was this a great opportunity for you and I to get it, to go out and do some hunting, which we love to do, but it was TKR opportunity to break in the the new hunting shack, right? Yeah. Where was the shitter? <laughs> right out the kitchen window. Nothing's more appetizing. That guy's got a cute little turd car. <laughs> Come on now. We're talking about boots and backstraps. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Boots and Backstraps podcast. Brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Boots and Backstraps. I am joined in studio as always by my ever so dashing co-host and uh, the antelope slayer himself, Mr. Tom Cat. Come on now. How we doing, sir? Doing great, man. We got a kind of a new setup here in the studio. Unfortunately, all of you are going to have to see our faces up a little bit closer than maybe you would like to. But <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we're going to talk about a fun hunt that we had. It's always fun to go out west. And while we were preparing to film, our good friend John Basinger from, uh, well, he was from Craig, Colorado. Now he's down a little bit south of there, but. A friend of ours that we've hunted elk with for a long, long time. We're trying to figure out how to get out to the mountains. Did you say he's in Rifle now or he's in Meeker or what? I think it's Meeker. Okay. Meeker, yeah. Yeah. And that's where our friend Terry is as well. But we're going to try and get out west. And uh, But tonight's episode is all about an antelope hunt that we just had. And uh, it was fun. It's always fun to be out there. And we've got some pretty cool pictures. And uh, Danny, I hope you, uh, what's the word? Uh, shop. Shipped uh, it. Photoshop. Shipped over that uh, Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but go ahead and start us out, Shane. Tell us about this fabulous bourbon that we're sipping on. Yeah, so this one's a, a new one, not just for you guys, but for me as well. I've got this uh, little local liquor store that I've been going to since early this summer. And uh, um, I've been kind of chatting up the owner, getting real comfortable with him, friendly with him, in the hopes that he would let me know when he got allocated store picks in right and he did tonight when i walked in future sponsor he he recognized <laughs> me and he gave me the wink wink and went over started chatting with him and he let me know that he had the bottle that's sitting over there which is a bottled and bonded dickel george dickel yep it's a very difficult bottle to find and he had one and i said yes i'll take that um i don't even care what it costs and then, uh, and then he told me about this one, and he said this is another one that he was at a, t a tasting for because they get all these store reps together, and they let them taste different bourbons. They decide what they're going to buy. This one was in super high demand, so much so that he could only get a half case, mm -hmm. six bottles of it total for his store to sell. And he had uh, just one more of this one, and he had his personal bottle there that he's letting some of his close friends try there. Um, and so I got to try it right before purchasing it, and I said, yep, I'll take that one too. You know, everything's in short supply, you know, cars, tractors. It is. So many things are in short. I, I can't imagine why whiskey would be in short supply. <laughs> yeah, can't so make it fast enough because everyone's sitting at home right. bumming out about COVID. Well, it's gotten so popular in the last few years, too. It's like there are way more people out there that are getting more knowledgeable about whiskey, about bourbons right. and rise and scotch. They sure are. I love it. Yes. Yeah, like every time I go into Total Wine, where they always have a, obviously huge selection I'm always in competition with about 10 other guys that are snooping around and they're looking for allocated picks too. So it's yep. way harder to find them there. The sort of secret is to go to these little mom and pop shops and talk to those owners because they're not getting hammered by 50 guys that know bourbon like the back of their hand asking for allocated uh, store picks. So right. 
Um, this one is a, uh, it's, as I said, it's Woodenville. This one is um, their private select single barrel bourbon. And uh, the big deal with Woodenville, as I've learned from talking to the guy, is that what they do is this, this is a Washington bourbon. It's made in Washington State. And what they do is they bring the barrels up into the Cascade Mountains and let them age up there in all the extreme climate change throughout the year. Because, as you know, TK, being very familiar with the West Coast, mm-hmm. they get some pretty extreme climate as it changes very from season to season. There. season. And so, uh, yes. Bring the, an umbrella. The barrels go through a lot of change in temperature and humidity and that kind of thing. And that's what really adds to their flavor profiles. So that's what we've got tonight. And we'll get a little clink and drink here. This one's a little bit stronger than the ones we've had in the past. It is indeed. At least in recent history. Oh, it's nice, though. It is nice. It's yeah. real. You know, for, for the strength of it, it's just got a mild, uh, almost syrupy taste to it. Very very caramel in the front. Caramel, that's it. Yeah, caramel in the front. It's a 59.12% alcohol or 118.24 proof for those right. people that are proof people. So it's definitely on the stiffer side for proof. It's not for everybody because it does have a little more burn, as we've talked about in other episodes, and you get into like 80 and 90 proof bottles like that Pendleton that we had. I feel the burn. I feel the burn. <laughs> <laughs> There's there, those You're supposed to drink it. Under 100 tends to be a little bit more sweet with less burn. You start getting north of 100. Like uh, this last weekend, we had friends of ours over for football on Sunday, and I fired up the smoker, and then we took out my Knob Creek Barrel Select, Ooh. and that one is 130 proof. So that one definitely has some wake you up in the I morning to Knob it. Knob Creek. But it's delicious. It's fantastic. Well, so speaking of football, foosball. I mean, these people that uh, produce this in Oregon, they have all those people up there are Seattle Seahawks fans, unfortunately. And we just we did a whipping on them. We did. The Vikings finally showed up and uh, played like they can play. I've always been high on our quarterback, and you know, even though. It was a rough – they just didn't seem very disciplined, especially in the first game. Yeah, defense was a little loose. And then loose. our kicker missed a field goal. They, they could be 3-0. and Easily 3-0. and And uh, They're away from a bad call on a Dalvin Cook fumble and yep. then a missed 37-yard field goal from being 3-0. and What's the story with Dalvin Cook? Is he going to be uh, fine? Yeah, he'll be all right. He'll be back this week. They're he fun. They're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be fun to watch. Those first two games were painful, but uh, – it was fun to see him actually play from the beginning to the end, solid football. And uh, it was exciting because that first half, you know, was a little bit of a white knuckle situation. Right. And the second half, they just shut them down. Yep. Not a single point from Seattle in the second half. And Which only is amazing. We always have trouble with Seattle. Yeah, only about 85 yards of total offense from Seattle in that second half. Quarterback well, so. shine. Yeah. Yep, Kirk Cousins looking good. I love Kirk Cousins. Great Christian man. Love him. I hope he can continue playing like that throughout the whole. He didn't throw an interception, did he? Nope. He hasn't thrown one yet this year. I didn't think so. Eight touchdowns, no picks. He's looking real good. I see him against Brady in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. We're in the same league. Yeah. yeah. Now he's with Tampa, so he's yeah. an N- NFC guy. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. So speaking of West Coast, because this Washington bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got back in the West Coast, right? Well, not West Coast, but West Western West Coast State. of South Dakota. I'm sorry. <laughs> did you say this was from Washington? Yes, Washington. It is. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not paying attention. This is why I thought somewhere in the conversation. Well, you Seattle said Oregon. is in Washington. Yeah, I thought somewhere in the conversation you said Oregon, but uh, you got you got Roosevelt elk on the brain. <laughs> I think so. 
I think so. Yes, we went on a great trip in the west coast of uh, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we have some interesting shots of uh, we're close to, you know, there's several, how did I word that? Uh, there's several extensions mm-hmm. of the Custard State Park that go up into Wyoming and up into south, northern south, south Dakota. And Custer southern. National Forest. Yeah. And uh, we're, our uh, ranching friends, their property borders uh, one of the Custer uh, National Forest properties. And it's just spectacular. It's beautiful. These people that we hunt with out in South Dakota, um, salt of the earth, Claudia and Taylor. Uh, Taylor uh, is in a wheelchair. Claudia is a couple years older than I am. And they run... I don't know for sure. I think it's 150,000 acres. I think we were guessing 50 or 60,000. 50 or 60. Which it's is still at least a 60. massive amount of property. Yeah, and they run this. They run cattle. They ranch and it. And horses. And they do They do have a hired man, but uh, it's amazing how they uh, – we helped them put in water tanks. It's amazing how they operate that thing, yeah, those two alone, really. And uh, Shane and I helped them put in a water tank. And that's getting pretty sophisticated. They're uh, routing uh, underground water yep. to various tanks because they're having the worst, worst drought in history out there. Yeah, she was talking about how just east of where they are, they've right. been getting some rain. They have been, but it you had not tell. come that far west yet. We we driven uh, through the eastern portions of uh, the land that borders theirs, and it was green, 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 and theirs Elf, was Alpha. brown, 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 and nothing. It's terrible. Yeah. But we did have fun. We did. And uh, they're they're so hospitable and such fun people to talk to. And Amazing people. They are. Amazing people. You know, I've always said from Minnesota is kind of in the middle. And the more east you get of Minnesota, the more jaded people they are, at least in my opinion. And uh, the further west you get through the Dakotas, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, they just become... There's a lot of uh, ranchers and cowboys out there, and they live by that cowboy code. And mm-hmm. People are hospitable and kind and friendly and helpful. I just love being out west. Yeah, it's I, amazing out yeah. there. They say Minnesota nice, and I'm not so sure about that sometimes because I've been on the freeway on a <laughs> a busy Monday morning. Holy cow. Well, and TK, um, I will tell you that one of my favorite things about this time that we've shared in hunting together the last five or six years is is all these different terrains. Yeah. Because we hunt the plains, including the buttes and the plains and all this stuff in the Dakotas, Wyoming, like kind of that whole area. Yep, yep. And then you get a little bit further south, start getting into Colorado and all that, and there's legitimate mountainous range. And oh, yeah. It's a very different hunt. Oh, yeah. Different approach, different animals, different And, you know, I've always said, Shane, I love it all. Whether it's the prairies or whether it's the foothills or even the Black Hills, which I absolutely, absolutely love the Black Hills. But if you get into the mountains, the Black Hills, the different trains are the northern woods of Minnesota and Wisconsin. You know, it's all different and it's all cool. It is. It's just whatever you, whether you're pursuing grouse, pheasants out in the, down in Iowa or out in the prairies, south North Dakota. Or you're pursuing antelope, which, you know, someday I'd like to hunt western, uh, excuse me, eastern uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. They've got some cool antelope country out there and down in Arizona and New Mexico. It's all great. I love it all. I mean, I just love it all, and I'm sure you do too. Oh, I do. And it, 
Hey, you know, I, as I've said in other episodes, I, I tell my wife all the time the two places I feel closest to God are the mass and the mountains. <laughs> and uh, that mountains is sort of more of a broad term for just hunting in general. Because even when you and I sat in a bear stand a couple weeks back, we weren't even really out into that remote a country. Mm-hmm. But just being out there together, when we're surrounded by all this wildlife, we saw a juvenile cub come in. We saw a bunch of deer. We had a doe basically almost come up the stand at us. <laughs> yeah, we saw a bunch of deer. We saw that uh, year-old cub. I guess he's a year and a half old. He wasn't a cub. He's just a small juvenile. Yeah. Um, he was fun to watch, coming in and out a half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. We saw wood ducks. We had turkeys flying up in the tree behind us. The raccoons. Raccoons, <laughs> big, fat raccoons. They're eating all that bait. <laughs> yeah. And then we had uh, grouse when we were coming in. Yeah, and grouse. Sandhill cranes. It's just amazing. Uh, we had a bald eagle fly past. I tell you what, nothing like messes with your head more than those stu. I don't even. They're not even squirrels, like groundhogs or oh, the little, gophers uh, red or squirrels. They like scurrying around underneath and making yeah, you think. They're fun. <laughs> making you think there's other wildlife coming in, and it's just those stupid things moving around down there. It's pretty funny stuff. Yeah, when it's quiet out there in a bear stand, and all of a sudden a squirrel jumps around, you're like, bear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, that not only was this a great opportunity for you and I to get it, to go out and do some hunting, which we love to do, but it was TKR opportunity to break in the the new hunting shack, right? Yeah. We should have a picture of that. I don't know if we do. Well, we got Danny's video and stuff like that. Um, um, but we uh, picked up a 1984 22-foot camper, and it works. We put some work into it cleaned yeah. it up and uh greased the bearings and uh lots of new lighting s- put in all new lighting uh it's looking good it, it doesn't is. leak that's the big thing it worked great it doesn't leak and it it pulls nice and uh it's really comfortable you know some of the newer trailers they make them lighter and quite frankly they're i've seen the difference because i had an old pop-up once from the 80s mm-hmm. we called it daisy a lot of my hunting friends remember Daisy, and uh, it was such a, it was so quality made. They had the bigger wheels, it pulled easier, and it was everything was more sturdy. Anyway, it's yeah. a cool old trader. We we got it for two grand, and it serves its purpose. It rolls great. Yeah, it rolls and it great. It was comfortable. It when you look at it from the exterior or even the interior, it looks dated clearly. Oh, yeah. you can tell it's from the eighties. Yep, but it's in great shape. It is in great shape. It's not and banged up. Or the air conditioning works. Yes, it does. We used it. Because it was hot out there. Yeah, it was refrigerator cold in there at night. It was great. There she <laughs> there is. is. Looks pretty long in that picture. That's pretty cool, though. You can tell we were out there working on it all day because you got the Burger King cups on the on the <laughs> ground there. Uh, it's a great camper. Had to take a burger break that day. Still working on it a little bit every day, doing stuff here and there. We got some great stories about that trip, and some of them include that, you know, stuff with that camper. Mm-hmm. So we can get to that, too. Yeah. I want to start with TK. Um, Danny, did you get all that media from my phone? Okay, perfect. So one of the shots in there was one I took from my blind the first night that we were out there. And I don't want to skip ahead in the story because I want to back up a little bit. I just want to show this picture quick. It was the first sundown of our trip um, that we took. What's that? No, it's from my blind. The only one with the sun coming down. Sunset. Yeah, you probably. I probably should have taken more pictures and stuff. But yeah. Oh, look at that. Now that is cool. 
Isn't that beautiful? And you're seeing the sun. I thought that sun. was the edge of the car, so I was very <laughs> confused. <laughs> That's one of the windows in the blind. It makes sense now. And the reason that one of the reasons that is so gold, it's obviously coming through the atmosphere at its furthest length. But it's you know the for the the fires in California and Canada, it's filtering through some of that smoke. But if you look down to the left, that's some reeds there, some cattails from the from the water hole Shane was sitting on. Yeah, and we'll okay. talk about our our uh, spots and stuff too, because I think we have a couple of great spots for future use. Absolutely, especially if they get a little bit more water out there, those would be great spots to be sitting on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so anyway, so we. We pack up, uh, which we have not named the camper yet. We'll come up with something. Daisy 2? Daisy 2. <laughs> Daisy Do. It's a, it's a nomad, if that it gives is. you any Yeah, it's a nomad. Um, yeah, so we, we pack up the camper. We get on the road. Seemed like it must have been 5, 36 o'clock Friday night, right? Yeah. Or no, it wasn't Friday. What, what did, Sunday. Sunday night. Who knows? Yeah, it was a Sunday <laughs> evening. Um, I remember. Uh, so Sunday, anyway, Sunday evening. Right, right. And uh, so we get on the road, and we're, we uh, had thought about it being kind of 9 to 10 hours on the way out there, but we realized as we're heading out there that we were a little light in one very important item. Do you remember what that was? Brains. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's always, but this trip specifically are light on something that, we, that you brought up as we were in route on the way out there. Oh, our licenses. Well, no. Has to do with that photo that we just showed. We were a little a light segue. on air on one tire. We're light on blinds. <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, we only had one blind, and we needed blinds, so we were heading up. Uh, east. So TK says he's got two. Well, it turns out he's got one and a half. Right. That's about <laughs> and, right. And I couldn't, like the day of when I'm packing all my stuff that morning to come meet you, I couldn't find my blind. I still think I loaned it to my buddy Nick. Shout out to Nick Stolt <laughs> on this. Um, but I can't find the thing. It's probably either Nick has it or it's buried in my garage somewhere. But I looked pretty thoroughly through the garage and couldn't find it. So anyway, so we're, you know, a third of the way out there, and you're like, how many blinds you got? <laughs> like, you got to, you know, they're, so, they're in a huge record-breaking drought. Mm -hmm. So we got to have blinds. I mean, we can get out and decoy and spot and stock and do all those things, which are tremendously fun. Mm -hmm. But we got to have blinds for sitting on water holes. Mm -hmm. So uh, just driving down the road, where were we, Sock Center? Sock Center. Something like that, yeah. There's a Walmart. I don't know if they're going to have any, but you got the last two. Yeah, we're, we're pulling in, and TK looks over to the left, and there's an auto parts place. And I remember what it was. You Maybe you were going to check for blinds, or you wanted to get something else? No, there's also a hardware store over there, and I was going to see if it was still open because a lot of hardware stores carry hunting supplies. So he says, drop me off. So I drop him off right at the entrance of the parking lot to the Walmart there, and then I go into Wally's World by myself. So I'm walking across Wally's World, and get back to the sporting goods section and they got, you know, a, up that in them parts, they got a pretty big piece of hunting area, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I'm going up and down the aisles and I come back up an aisle and I start to notice, okay, now I'm getting into some like legitimate rifle and all that stuff. And I walk past this spot and I look down and there is two pop-up blinds right there. The last two. And they were fantastically priced by yeah. the way at 78 bucks a piece. Right. Right. And I was like, mine. <laughs> I <laughs> grabbed them both. They had little handles on the boxes. And I'm walking up the front, and everyone's looking at me. He's like, this guy's going hunting. <laughs> <laughs> we're happy that you got those. Yes. I so come walking out of the parking lot, and you were coming across the parking lot already. I thought I was going to have to pick you up. Yep. And you were already coming back across. And 
I could see the smile on your face like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hardware store was closed. Yeah. yeah what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So we ended so that's up how with, we started our trip. Yeah. This is uh, on the way out there. Oh. For those of you who are listening to our podcast, we do uh, broadcast on YouTube. So if you want to look at some of our visuals, head on over there. Check out our link tree and uh, view more. View more indeed. And while you're there, give us a like. Give us a th- that little thumbs up. Do us a favor. Pinwheel the like button. And uh, subscribe. Ring the bell yep. so you get notified when we have new episodes. Yep. Get notifications when we post in general, whether it's episodes or some of the fun clips that Danny and, and her team put together for us. You'll get all that stuff. So do that while you're there. Make sure you leave a comment, too, because we like the comments on the videos and the clips and things like that. We I don't even remember when you took that picture. It was on the way out there. Hmm. I don't even remember where we, we were. We made a nine-and-a-half-hour trip uh, into 13 hours. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, I'm talking to my wife on the phone right away. We're getting to Alexandria mm-hmm. where you either got to start heading west and just do the left and rights all the way through North Dakota. And uh, and she said, well, I, don't you think it would be safer on the freeway? Because, you know, if you to where we were going, if you uh, – map quest it it actually says it's a little bit it's not long shorter in list in distance but a little bit shorter in time is going up to like bismarck or dickinson mm-hmm. but we missed both of them we hit them both wrong and anyway <laughs> 13 hours later we showed up and it was fine <laughs> you know, sucked but it was fine yeah so we got into into the camp we call it uh, antelope camp Got into Antelope Camp at uh, about 5.30 or 6 a.m. the next morning, which was a 13-hour trip because you gain an hour going to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, or you Actually, you lose an hour, so whatever. Do the math. It, so it was 13 hours of drive time. And we knew we were going to lose a little bit because when you're pulling a camp, we're like that. Oh, yeah, we couldn't go faster than 65. Yeah, you're not driving 75 miles an hour. So we were kind of averaging between 65 and 70 the whole way out there. And the camper pulled great, no problems. Other than one tire getting a little warm because uh, we didn't have enough air in it, but we figured yep. that out after the trip. Yep. Conveniently. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so we get out there, and uh, we get out there and we get our camp set up. So I will tell you guys, uh, for the listeners and viewers out there, TK is a guy that likes a very organized camp. Like he doesn't like it where you just get there and throw your bags on the ground. That's not how TK rolls. He wants the pop-up. He wants the tables. He wants this over here and that over there. It takes two hours. I'm with that guy. Yeah. Just yeah. a second. That's ca- me. This ain't no Robin the Sleevish camp. <laughs> <laughs> he wants it. Everything's got a place, and it's, you know, every place has got how a thing. How would you do it, Shane? I feel like that that fits you, too. I mean, really. Yeah, you're pretty organized. I've done events with you. I am organized, but it, maybe it's because I haven't hunted, you know, mm. for 100 years like TK has. But yeah. We get out there, and he's just like, okay, we're putting this here and putting this there, and it's like all this elaborate setup everywhere, and it's like I'm looking around like, is there like eight more people coming I don't know about? <laughs> it's just you and I. We yeah, need- well, if you'd have seen where the shitter was, you know, you'd know it's not that organized. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> where was the shitter? Where was but, it? But, you know, when you get to be my age, you know, you got to have everything organized, and you got to have a table for all of your stuff because if you're hunting with a guy like Steve Wu, you got a lot of stuff. Yeah, and you got to sort it out because otherwise you don't you won't know where the heck you put anything. Yeah, right. So, oh, there's the shitter, <laughs> <laughs> right out the kitchen window because nothing makes you more apt, more hungry 
Nothing's more appetizing over the sink there than that guy's got a cute little turd cock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't He's know what it is with the, okay. you guys that I hunt with between Wheels and Steve Woog and you and <laughs> Dave Miller. Everyone's got to take a picture of me taking a dump. <laughs> so for those that well, for those of you that don't have YouTube or not watching this. You're lucky. <laughs> see if, you, if you zoom in real close, you can see one I'm in mid-flight mid falling down. <laughs> what do you, can you see? No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's. I think I might be irking my irking. There's, there's Tom, <laughs> Tom, Tom's in an important business meeting there. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading a elk hunting magazine. <laughs> A true, uh, a true hunter in the middle of nowhere, taking a shite, <laughs> reading about elk so he can go hunt some elks. That's right. Giddy up. So he says, uh, you know, we, we brought an easy up with us, you know, one of those little canopy kind of tent things. It's 10 foot by 10 foot. And he's like, let's put that thing out front because that's where we're getting the most sun exposure. And we got a spot at uh, Antelope Camp where these people have their, you know, house and all their outbuildings mm -hmm. and stuff where there's a nice tree coming down. We figured this out the oh, last yeah, year we were there. Last year. Camp that baby right in the shade. Yeah, so we put the easy up out in front of the camper on the sun side, and uh, and then Tom was, you know, we want to set a table out Over there. Over the banquet table with all of our stuff that can't get wet. That's where I'm going to correct you, because Tom was like, yeah, we got to get a table under this thing. And I was like, okay. And he goes, yeah, we got to have a place to, like, work on our bows. Now ask him how many of the people that were at this camp's shit was on this table. Well, I left room for you. It but you evidently one. didn't use it. <laughs> yeah. I did notice that. I, a little corner on the table. There's nothing on it there. <laughs> there was room for you. Had his bow case and his like tackle box and his bag and like all this stuff all strewn out and it's fine. Like whatever. What the hell? <laughs> there was room like, for you. I was like, when you said like for us to put our bows, I guess I was imag imagining us both using the table. When I walked out there, I was like. All right, whatever. <laughs> I'm just surprised you didn't take my tackle kit and move it down and put your bow up there, too. No, I just put mine across one of your WeFest chairs. Oh, yeah. That works, too. Whatever you got to do. The armrest works. We had great. a nice little camp. Do we have a picture of the camp other I, than me taking a poop? <laughs> no, I didn't take a picture of the camp. That was itself. nice. I will, though, for future reference so yeah. people can see how, how organized and set up it is. It was a sweet setup. Just hear the wolves and the coyotes howling. Nah, there ain't no wolves out there, but there's a lot of coyotes. Sorry about that. I'm no attacking wolves your microphone in that man. country. You no, get a little bit south there, and there's some wolves, and certainly a little bit west. Quite a few coyotes out there. We were yeah. both talking about coming in at night and how much howling and stuff there's going on. I had two really, really big coyotes at a water hole one morning, and had I known there were so few antelope around, I could have taken one of them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're sitting there and the sun's just starting to come up and everything's starting to lighten up, the last thing you want to do is disrupt your hunting area. I could have taken a coyote, but then what if there had been a herd of antelope out 100, 200 yards and they see all the commotion and they take off? Yeah. So you want to didn't want to disrupt your hunting spot, so I passed on that coyote. Yeah. Well, so when we first get out there, first day, um, what we decide to do is we get in there, like I said, it's like five or six o'clock in the morning and we get camp set up, which, you know, takes an hour or two. And then we're like, you know what? Let's just take a little nap. <laughs> yeah. And he's, we've been on the road all, all night long. Neither of us have slept. And we got to make sure we get a little charge in the batteries. I mean, you're not getting eight hours, but you get three or four in a nap. 
and then it's time for us to get out and start exploring the terrain. Now, we yeah. know this ranch pretty well because yep. we've hunted it a few times already. Even though, as, as TK mentioned, it's 50,000, 60,000 plus acres, we have a pretty good understanding of the ranch because we've been out and around a lot of it. You know, I think it's 160,000. Yeah, it I could mean, be. that just sticks in my head, and I'm pretty sure that's the right number. It could be. So the, the challenge that we have with this particular year in this drought, TK, is the lack of water, right? Right. So, so we fr spend that first few hours that afternoon before we know we got to be getting into blinds, kind of looking around a little in our hunting app first, and then also maybe going to some of what have been our hot spots. Well, they have that big water hole right behind the homestead there, mm -hmm. and there's a dam, and this is, this is a, a lake. By all means, it's a lake. It's probably, oh, I would say it's a, probably around a 13-acre lake. Yeah. And it's shrunk down because of this drought. It is, I mean, I can't tell you the massive amount of water that is missing on this little lake. It's uh, Now it's a pond. I got a video in there, Danny, of um, my I'm pretty sure it was a video where I showed essentially where the weed line was last year when we were there, TK, with the water level mm -hmm. all the way down to where it is now. Even Does it last have year. the antelope in it? Uh, deer. Those are deer. Oh, those those are, are deer. Those are whitetail, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. Even last year, so the water level was down. Let's go to this, and then I want to talk about the deer for a second, too. But So this little video from, look at that buck. Oh, man. It still hurts me. I want to cry. He was a monster. Underneath that buck, you see that line? Because I didn't have a tag. Oh. He walked within about 40 yards of me, and he was a pig. He was a big-bodied deer, and at least an eight-point. He would have been a wall hanger for sure. You see where he's walking right now? That's the water line where it used to be you see that ridge yeah then you can come down further and you see that water line where it was last year so where he's standing broadside to me right now that's like a 40 or 45 yard shot i am deadly at that yardage like i could <laughs> just about put an arrow through a silver dollar at that yardage so he was done if i had a deer tag but i didn't have a deer tag and so i just had to be a observer and an appreciator of one of God's creatures, because that deer was beautiful. That was a beautiful white-tailed deer. And there was three of them that came over that ridge that night. There was a doe and then a couple of bucks, one that was more of a medium-sized buck and then that, that big boy there. So, Danny, was that the end of the video? Yeah, oh, it was. Okay. So can you play that video again real quick? Go back to this. I want to say there might have been another video I did that showed a little bit more of the waterline. Okay, stop, stop, stop. So that is a big buck. Can you rewind it to the beginning? Go back to the beginning. Only in my VCR. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was a shot at YouTube. We got one of those. All right. So on the far right, for those people that are watching us on YouTube or Spotify or one of the video platforms, on the far right side of the screen here, the water is still probably twenty-ish feet to the right. Bring your cursor down to that line that goes across right in front of the deer right there that's where the water used to be that's when it's full and it and it where you can see the mud down there toward the bottom of the screen it yeah. was still the water right now as we were out there was about 20 feet to the right now play the video and you can see as as, as i scroll left following this deer just how far left that water line was last the last year we were there yeah I mean, it was way up there in, com in comparison, all the way up there to where that mud is and all that grass and stuff. Right. 
that water was way down. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, that was a that was a really nice deer. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> so uh yeah, so anyway, so we go there first because we're familiar with that spot. All right. Check it out. We got out. a blind set up. We got a blind set up. And uh and then we we talked with uh Taylor and Claudia a little bit about some of the other spots that we that we knew there was water and they were like laughing basically like now there's nothing there it's bone dry right and there was another water hole that you're interested in taking right and we finally got to it we could always see that water hole from the road and we took off and if we didn't have your uh phone with us and the satellite view of it we'd have never found the darn thing right i mean but it's a great water hole and it's out in the middle of nowhere and there were so few antelope tracks there, and I sat there for three days, portion of three evenings or a couple mornings, three, whatever. Three sets. Three right. sets, right. Yeah. And never saw an antelope, just those two coyotes. And I was, like, so surprised because, you know, a drought is good for an antelope hunter who wants to sit on a water hole. Yes. You know, if you get into the rut, um, which is, like, really starting when we were there. Yeah. And, you know, another week after that you know it's nice to get out and decoy them and spot and stalk them because they're goofy and they're out there acting crazy running in circles that's really a lot of fun but uh it's really a lot easier to get an antelope i think the statistics show that that if you uh, sit on a water hole during a drought you're going to have much better success and i can't believe nothing was coming to that water hole surprised me and i'll tell you what tk once we because we're, we're there a couple of days, and then we ended up finding one pretty good hot spot. That's one I was sitting yep. on. And then two days left of our trip, we found an, another really good one for you. Right, right. Yeah, that was a fun one. I actually harvested a, the last hour of the last day. I, <laughs> you've heard the stories about waiting out to the last time. I had a juvenile, just a small buck come by. but he Well, you say by. small. He had a good body on him. Yeah. Yeah, you know, antelope don't fluctuate much like uh, elk or deer or whatever. They're, you know, bucks are bigger than the does, and uh, I guess about 150 pounds, I guess that's what I guesstimating on the top of my head. I guess uh, someone would know more about the size like John, like John Basinger. But uh, anyway, he came in, and I did have a decoy up, at a water hole and he stopped to look at that decoy and he was like what in the world is that <laughs> and he paused just he was only 20 yards from me and i just hammered him and, tom uh, could knock the flea off a dog's back at 20 <laughs> yeah. yeah 20 maybe <laughs> i'm no i'm gonna brag on you for a second because you bragged on me with different stuff i have shot with you for a long time now and at 20 yards and the reason why i bring this up is because two years ago we went on an elk hunt together Mm -hmm. and you knocked down that real nice five by five mm -hmm. and everybody was questioning you because that bull went so far that they're giving up hope. Like, right. Oh, we're not going to find this thing. He didn't hit it good enough. And, and I'm like, I know I hit it right where I should be. I can see it in my brain. And it was at 19 yards. And, and I then was, you know how it goes if you're a hunter. <laughs> yeah. I start questioning, you it. know, everyone's like, I'm so glad we found that elk so they could see where the hole was. And, but I, uh, I, my point is, is I was telling everybody that whole time we're going up that mountain because they're all coming to me going, what do you think he really? And I was like, yes, <laughs> if that's at 20 and under, Tom could literally take the fly off a dog's back like that thing is he will put it exactly where he wants it at 20. And the next morning when we found that bull, 
you better believe right there. that that um, shot was right exactly where you said it was. Kind of wish we had a picture of that right now. Yeah, it's it's actually in my phone in that hunting folder. Right. If Danny wants to grab that, we can come back to it later. But there's a picture of a bull in a shed, big shed, big pole building. I got one of you. It's us, hanging. Sit next to it. When yeah. you when you were, had hands on. Yeah. I got that picture in there too. So you can see where the, that's the uh, antelope that I got this year. Yep. Uh, hold on one second. Just stay here. No, for we're one talking second. about two different things, Danny. It's yeah. all right. In the hunting, in the hunting folder on my phone, there is actually a picture of Tom with an elk, where he's sitting on the ground, and it, it might even actually be in our intro video. It's a five by five, and uh, yeah, let me just see this for one. Oh, Jill's locked out of my phone. That never happens. Jill runs my life. All right, uh, I'm just gonna grab this real quick. So anyway, so Tom, here's that. Um, that's an antelope. That, whoop, Danny, can you pull that back up again, please? Come on, phone. Come on, phone. Come on now. Antelope are such a cool animal. Look at the colors on that thing. The black nose. And That's the shot. That's the picture I'm talking about. Yeah, but can you see the arrow? Not on that one you can't. I think maybe a couple pictures before that you can there's, or something. There's a picture um, close to that where the animal's hanging upside down you know, from, the, from the hooves. It's got the four of us all kind of crowded around it. But so anyway, so Tom, let's go to this one real quick while they yeah. find that picture. Here's that buck you shot. Yeah, it was last morning, and the previous day I saw a big buck up on top of this knob to the left of me, and he was standing up there, king of the mountain, and making these donkey noises, <laughs> noises that I've never heard an antelope make before. And I'm like, what? And I'm looking at him, I said, that's coming from him. And, you know, I've heard a few of their vocalizations, but... This one sounded like a mule, and he, he's surveying the car. That's what they do. They go from knob to knob to see where the antelope are and who they want to hook up with because the rut was starting. Yeah. And he was making rutting noises. <laughs> I don't know. I swear. It sounded like a donkey up there. And he come charging down, but he was way out of range, and it was really cool to see him because we're in an area where there's really not a lot of antelope. So to have seen him come flying by me and – he was on his way to greener pastures, and, uh, well, the next morning, this guy is on that same knob, and he's just, I had seen him, actually, I seen him the, la the night prior to that as well, mm -hmm. and uh, he was up in that same area where the big one was, and, well, the next morning, all of a sudden, there he is, and he's looking down my way, and I said, hey, I only got one more hour, come on down, <laughs> and he did. <laughs> But he didn't take the same route that that big one did. He was coming right past my blind. I was in a windbreak. There's a cattle corralling on a on a water tank. Water tank. What and it, what a great spot that oh. was. The cover was incredible. Your blind blended in unbelievably. Right. Yeah, no, I I barely saw the blind. Right, standing there. <laughs> yeah, well, neither one of them antelope saw the blind, and which is a bonus. And uh, anyway, I had a decoy up. Uh, Montana decoy silhouetted at that water tank. Well, he was headed down to where the water was draining. That it formed a little pond down below. Mm -hmm. I would think, man, why wouldn't you want to just come right to the tank? But you know they do what they do. Yeah. And he went. He's going to go right by me, but he stopped at 20 yards to look at my uh, decoy, and I hammered him. And 
So he doesn't have super tall horns, obviously, no. because he's not, you know, he's not a five-year-old antelope. But the body on that guy was really impressive. And don't for forget, his age. excuse me, folks, Shane, don't forget, I've got all that antelope meat butchered, and don't forget to take yours home with you tonight. Well, I was going to mention actually, because I still have Jill's cooler in my back seat. Okay, that good. red igloo with the telescoping top on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was uh, like, hey, Jill, I got your cooler, but you can't have it back tonight because I need it to get that antelope home. Well, I got plenty of coolers. I'll bring it to the closing tomorrow. Hey, I got uh, those photos of uh, Tom's other. Yeah, that elk, that 5x5. Five five. That's him on the ground. All right, I also got an arrow photo, or an arrow spot, that one. Yeah, look at that. What a great shot, oh, TK. Yeah, there it is, yeah. I think I purposely walked up to him and said, see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see? There's our crew, Tom and I, and then uh, So Steve is this Woog, the tag right here? Steve Woog and, yes, the it is. The green thing on the, okay. Yeah. I've never seen it. And Tom Patnode, right? Yep. Tommy P. What a great trip that was. What a really good group of guys. So to stay on this one for a second, Danny, you go back to that picture. So when you're um, aiming for a, an elk or mm -hmm. an antelope or a deer, because they all have very similar vital zones, right? Mm-hmm. You get real two... Your two best options are what, TK? Well, I think, you know, a broadside shot and you're everybody, especially archers, you know, rifle people might want to drop them. They might want to anchor them and hit them in the high shoulder, which will hit the spine and drop them right in his tracks. But for the most part, we uh, try to double lung them. Yeah, double you know? lung. And if he's quartering away, you know, you shoot behind that last rib and go into the lungs and this one, I think, is... If they're really close, you go right for the pump station, right? Yeah, I think this one was, like, right between the heart and the lungs. Yeah. I swear. Yeah. I mean, I think that's actually where the arrow went, and I think it just nicked both of them. Because he was quartering Somebody slightly Somebody smarter away. than me. No, he was totally broadside. Okay. I mean, he was totally broadside at 19 yards, and I don't know why he took so long to die, but... Did we ever find you the can arrow? See, yeah, I found Stubborn. the arrow. Stubborn. You can see the the triangle on that that hole. You would blades went in. Yeah, and you wouldn't believe how far this guy walked with that perfect shot in him. And he was, I mean, the blood spots and the blood trail and all that were really impressive. He should have been dead half of as far as he went. It's pretty hard to get a pass through with a uh, bow. These are there's some big guys shooting 30 inch draw length and double arrows. You know, arrow inside of an arrow, there's a lot of heavy weight that can get a path through, but most people don't get a pass through on, a, on an elk. And if it would have gone out the other side, then you'd have really better blood, you know, to track. Uh, well, I think we had, we had pretty good blood. Yeah, we had enough. Yeah, and we didn't, as it turns out, with your antelope, didn't have to do that much tracking. No, I watched him. <laughs> but he, you know, antelope, when you hit them, man, they just take off like a rocket. And he went rocket right into a ravine, and he actually went a little bit further than I s thought he would, but he tumbled. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that yeah, I, I think he went over 100 yards. Mm. So, yeah, so we, the, to go back in the conversation, the first spot we found was the one I sat on, and that was where we had that uh, sundown, sunset picture. Mm -hmm. And it was probably a pretty nice little water hole that yep. was way tucked back on the ranch. Right. So it's a perfect spot. Definitely going back there next year. No questions about it. Right. And I had a ton of activity over there and only ended up having one that like came into shooting range. 
and that chair. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I hope Willie isn't watching this podcast, but yeah, I don't know. I was sitting with Shane uh, the first day we we're sitting together, and he had this about one hundred and sixty dollars share, very expensive chair. Like I, can't, I'm sorry, you you spend your money a little bit more readily than I do. I would a little camp chair will work for me, or a bucket with a little swivel on it. Tom's got this. Like we have different philosophies. Tom's <laughs> got this. I've had this chair forever, and it's sitting in the corner of my garage doing nothing, so I'll just put, throw it in a blind and use it for hunting. Yeah. And I was in the, like, I want to make sure I've got the best equipment to right. improve my odds. As it turned out, that didn't happen. <laughs> no, I'm sitting next to him, and all of a sudden he shifted weight and went snap, crackle, bang. And I'm like, I mean, it sounded like that because I'm sitting right next to him. I'm like, well, that's not going to work. Girls, you should have seen him look at me. We're sitting in the blind, and luckily there was no elk. Uh, elk antelope around at that moment or whatever but he looks at me and he's like you can't sit in that chair that's loud <laughs> i that'll and it did he had an antelope come in 30 yards and he went to shoot and that thing went snap and that antelope <laughs> yeah so to rewind the tape a little as we said that 30 because i said 40 45 on that white tail before okay. 30 absolutely done i yeah. don't care what it is 30 yards it's down and uh and it was standing out in front of me at 30, head down, drinking a little bit of the water that was in front of me in this little area that used to be a sizable water hole. Yeah. And now just a little bit of water in there. And uh, and I was just getting ready to draw my bow back, and I shifted my weight a little bit forward in that chair so I could get that good draw. And it creaked, and that antelope head up and gone. All right. Yep. Yeah. All of the 60 miles an hour like this just gone. So. No, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a shame because you spend all year and you spend a bunch of money and we get our licenses and we go out west, you know, and all the money that and all the time and all the effort and all the excitement that goes into it. And all of a sudden you're pulling back and just a little sneak or a crack or a creak in a chair and you're done, man. It's just ruined your hunt. You spent, I don't know how much money you spent on that Tom, damn chair. Tom, yeah. Shane already feels like shit. Maybe oh, I less. know. <laughs> Maybe less is more. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm not. I'm not giving it to Shane. I can I, see. I, feel bad I can for see him. his tears welling up. So if you could just, you know. Well, it's ha you know things like that have happened to me. You know, like oh everybody pheasant All hunting. Hunters. I mean, I spent a bunch of money on it. It was a used shotgun, but a real you know Jimmy Rocher store Joe's, long long time ago, and they certainly took care of the problem for me. They gave me a brand new shotgun for cost and. It that. doesn't change the fact that I mean, that two it roosters <laughs> jumped up in front of me, and I got this, and I had it clean. I had it apart, put it back there, and click, nothing. I got nothing. Two roosters. And you know, when I was younger, man, opening a pheasant season was a huge deal for me. So I went back to that store, and I was just so mad, and that's when I met Ron Fisher, who we'll have on our show at a later date. Uh, he just took care of me, and but things like that, that happened to you that shouldn't happen to you there's enough that can go wrong in the natural without something dumb like that happening. stuff that's outside your control so I just like i feel bad for you yeah danny there's a, a photo of me just me and that was uh when i was walking back out that morning okay, and i was just trying to stay positive is it this one well, that's me <laughs> oh there's my other antelope i forgot to tell you about that one. wait oh, is hilarious. it your antelope or, or is it shane's antelope Oh, that's hilarious. Maybe it's all of the people's that's, and that guy. 
this guy and this guy. All right, go guy. to the guy and that actually killed it. That's the actual <laughs> guy. If you're watching this, we met this kid in a cafe with his uncle, and they're from that, they're from the area, probably 100 you miles almost, You almost said it there. <laughs> Look at that. That's Look an, at that thing. That for, for, for those of you guys that don't know, that's a record book antelope. We're yeah. talking about record book, talking about the, like the – That TK got. Super Pope and Young and uh, – <laughs> TK, look at your face. I didn't know that South Dakota had antelope that that big, man. That is a monster. It's a that is a absolutely for sure record book antelope. I mean that thing is monstrous, huge tines on that. I don't know if it made Boone and Crockett. Uh, I would think it would. I guess I didn't ask the guy, and if he if if we did ask him, I don't remember. He said he thought for sure it was Boone and Crockett. Oh, it's absolutely Boone and Crockett. It crushed Boone and Crockett. No, no, no. Excuse Pope me. And Young. Pope and Young. Yeah. Pope and Young's what, archery. What Boone are you talking about? All right. There's record books for archery and there's record books for firearms. Pope and Young is two world famous archers from California. And they have the record book and they're long dead, but the record book is named after them. They're for like the archery. Guinness. They're like the Guinness. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then Pope and Young, I mean, uh, Boone and Crockett is Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett. So yeah. their record book, firearms, is for firearms, and uh, the deer has or the animal, the elk, the antelope, the deer, the bear, whatever has to score a certain uh, score to make it into those books. I've got a f- few of my animals in Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett, but uh, that one is definitely he's probably a booner. It's unbelievable. It's a very impressive animal. Uh, so uh, uh, anyway, did you? F- yeah, there we go. So that's me walking back out that morning. I'm wearing my, uh, I've got a harness that's got my bino and my rangefinder and stuff all on it. So what's a bino? Binoculars. binoculars. So that pouch that's in front of me yeah. houses my binoculars, and then you can't see it, but off to that right side of the camera, there's another separate little pouch over there, which is actually my right side, um, that has uh, my rangefinder in it. Rangefinder is a little handheld device that tells you from where you are how far away the thing you're range finding is. Why do you call it a bino? Binoculars, bino. Oh, yeah. It's, it's shorter than saying binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Not when you have to say it ten times to me. It's like, why do people call it a rhino? Because rhinoceros is a lot to say. That You know, it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I, that was me trying to keep a positive attitude, even though I got blown out of an animal that morning. And uh, so right away, told the whole thing to TK, and TK was like, we got to switch your chair so we go into Taylor and Claudia's, one of their pole buildings. They had a bunch of banquet stuff in there, yeah. chairs and, and um, tables. And we grabbed a metal folding chair. Works just, you know, you can get those for nothing. But did you grab it and like, ear, 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 and like sit in it and squiggle around like, oh, do yeah. you make yes, noise? Yes, ma'am, I did. I you and, did. you know, it's got that plastic bottom, so you don't need I necessarily my need dirty a stiddle. hunting rear end all in that did thing. Did I say stiddle? <laughs> Because you, your butt can slide on those. Yes, and it did. And if you set up r- properly for your windows, you don't necessarily have to. And it didn't make any but noise. It's nice to have a back. Yeah, it was totally quiet. That's some shit. The one thing I'll say is when you're in your blind, you're sitting in there sometimes a four, time. five, six hours. Yeah. And that metal chair is not comfortable. <laughs> Especially for a guy like me who don't got much ass. It's not comfortable. I lost mine a few years ago. I can't find that. <laughs> it fell off. Yeah. Just like I can't find my elk calls. I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> it's in a drawer somewhere, I'm yeah. sure. If you're watching or listening and you have 
Tom's elk calls, please bring them back. Yeah. Or Thank his you. ass. Or his ass. Yeah. Also, if you find Especially his ass. Especially my ass. <laughs> You've seen it anywhere. Gotten a Feel frog butt in the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, switch the chair. And uh, I know uh, we talked about you and the blind that you're on and the activity. You, you had a fair amount of activity, even though you were only there for two days. And this other spot that I was in with the whole chair debacle, I was in that one for four days and had a ton of activity there as well. Yeah. Now, not so much into the into the water hole I was in, but when I came out of that a couple of times just to kind of survey the landscape, I did see a few really nice bucks hmm. just outside of bow range. A couple of times when I was in the blind, I would see a buck and a doe or a, just a buck by himself or a doe by herself kind of roaming around in the prairie around us. And we've got some video of that as well. You do. Good. That we can throw up in here. Um, I have to be more diligent about taking video and pictures and from my blind. Yeah. Danny, can you grab that uh, video that I took when I was in there of that buck and doe that were out in front of us, kind of out in front of me playing around in the on the prairie. Now they were just out, just outside. They were outside of my range cause they were playing around about 200 yards. It's a video. Yeah. There's a video. Are they drinking the water? Uh, not that video. I think that one with the horns are sniffing the other one's keister. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I have this photo. Yeah, so that's the same. You can see on the... Okay, so it's difficult to tell. Can you zoom here, Danny, please, to help me out a little bit? Oh, my. I could do some things I didn't know. Okay. All right, so on the right, that's the buck, and you can see the antlers kind of coming up there. And the on black the left... Face. Is a doe. That On is the a left nice buck. is a penguin. So they were playing <laughs> it around. Looks like a penguin. It a does. penguin. Um, it does a little bit with the shadow. Uh, they're pl this is early morning. This is probably eight o'clock in the morning, eight thirty in the morning, something like that. I'm in the blind, and you can see there's a hillside there. So I was surrounded all the way around all four sides by a hill like that, and then all the way down the basin of that was water previously, but not water now. So uh, a lot closer to where I was sitting was some smaller pools of water which is what we were hoping they'd come into and they were kind of coming and exploring the situation but uh, there wasn't as much water as there typically as you can see because all that basin was dry over by that the side where they are that hillside there anyway so this doe and buck were chasing each other around a little bit on all around to my right side which is where i took this picture and out into the front a little bit and i do have some video of this same couple we'll call them a couple um, that was on my phone. Um, <laughs> anyway, so well, we don't need to even need to necessarily find the video. It's totally fine. Uh, so anyway, uh, they never got any closer than, you know, 175 yards or maybe 150 yards or whatever, well outside what I was comfortable taking a shot at, clearly. Uh, but it was just cool to see all that activity around the blind mm -hmm. in the same way that you had some that monster buck outside yours that was making all kinds yeah. of crazy sounds. That's that's like half the reason we do what we do with this hunt. You know, 15, 20, 25 years ago when we used to go out there to this particular part of the world in South Dakota, there used to be lots and lots of antelope, and they've pretty much disappeared. But there's still a few remnants about. But you'd see activity all day, every day. Yeah. And it was just so much more fun. But even though it's still fun to go out there, be a little bit nicer if they had a real mild winter, a real good spring, and the uh, the population came back a little bit. So the nice thing was is last year when we were there, we had very little activity. 
anywhere we were. We did a lot more spot and stock, not mm-hmm. much in the way of, of blinds because they were in between that sweet spot of having a drought where you're sitting on a water hole or when you've got a lot of water and you've got an opportunity to spot and stock because there's more coverage with the foliage. Mm-hmm. Last year was in between where you didn't have right. a, a real good opportunity at either side. So we didn't have much opportunity to, to fill our tags last year. This year with the drought, we actually had a fair amount of activity once we found a couple of good spots. Right, right. And they're making spots. They're making new water holes. It's amazing to me. I'd see these berms going through the, the pastures and for miles. And these, they're actually laying pipe underneath them. Mm-hmm. They've drilled a massive well not far from their front gate. And they're pumping water to these water, well, water holes. And I've never seen that before. It's new technology. And, well, it might not be new technology, but they figured out a way to do this. And they've got tanks out there now that, like the tank that we, uh, where I mashed my forehead, we helped them put in a, well, why don't you explain it? Yes. We helped them put in a culvert over their mechanism. So, they, yeah, they had a, a tank that they were um, wanting to uh, turn off and take apart. They weren't going to use it anymore. Then another tank that had a, a right. faulty um overflow set up on it because the cattle will get their noses in there and horses. mess with it the, the horses, horses will yeah yeah horses are sticking their noses and they're messing with the overflow mechanism it's so the same mechanism you'd find in any toilet right exactly with the ball and so they they bought a couple of cement cylinders that you'd set down over like culvert but like only about three foot tall. Yep. Well, they'd set down over the mechanism so that cattle and horses and other animals couldn't get into where th- the mechanicals were. Mm-hmm. And so we helped them with their tractor and stuff. Yeah. TK got to ride in the side-by-side out there, and I rode in the tractor with Claudia. <laughs> and uh, we went down into, you know, the smaller tank where we um, set a, s- a center cylinder culvert in. Right. And that was nice and easy. And then we went up to where they were actually taking down a small, very small tank setup, disassembled that, got the, all the parts out of that, went down to their largest tank, and that's where um, we were kind of trying to get all set up in there. And we ended up having to replace a, a piece of mechanism because it broke and that kind of stuff. But but while we were heading back from that, if uh, Danny would show the picture of this the coolest longhorn you've ever seen. I mean, it's a cool picture because... Uh, there's this Texas Longhorn. There he is, and he's got a messed up left horn, and he's you can see terrifying looking. Just so <laughs> I mean, he, beautiful <laughs> animal. He's old, very old. Yeah. He's old, and he does look like a calico cat or some dang thing. I don't know what you would call. It. I've never seen anything quite like that guy, but I wanted to get a picture of him. And in the background, you can see that's the eastern portion of their property. And that's the extension of Custard National, one of the many extensions of the Custard National Park. But isn't that a great shot? Look at that. Look at that thing. That's great. I don't know if he ran into a post or what he did. I was staring at this picture wondering how and when it was going to come up. Like, what is this? And (laughs) why is it staring at me? So she was, Claudia was saying at one point a couple winters ago that that one side, I don't know if he lost it, got hung up on something or whatever, but it came off. And then what's there now is what grew out of there. And, it, of course, it's not what you would typically expect to see. <laughs> yeah. Half ram on that side. <laughs> yeah, half there ram. you go. It half. looks like a half bigghorn sheep. Yeah, so go. that steer belongs to uh, 
uh, belongs to her one of her sons. She's got <laughs> two sons, and uh, th- she was saying that that's a very old steer. They weren't expecting yeah. it to live a lot longer, but pretty cool little pretty story, unique though. animal. And seeing the national park in the background, they got a cool. Pe- you know, they don't know it because they're born and raised there. Yeah, they don't know how beautiful their land is. It, to them, it's just you know land. They got to work it every day and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're used to it, but flatlanders like us come out to a place like that, and it's just really spectacular and beautiful to us. And they've got a a river that runs right through their property that's bone dry, but when the water's running, it's pretty cool. Yep, agreed. Um, th- there's another video, Shane, of I I believe is it the cows drinking? Let throw it on and we'll throw it up here. We'll see if we know what it is. Oh yeah. Oh, is that out of the? Uh, see, that's out of that blind. Where we were talking about that water used to be like way, a small way high, lake, right? fifty yeah. or sixty feet to the left. Yeah, I'm showing the, the the spot there where the water is, and then I keep scanning left, and you can kind of see. Hold on, can you go back, Danny? How much of the the film is left? Oh, lots. Just wait a second. Let's see if it goes back up there to that other side again. But you can see the dirt embankment beyond beyond them. Mm-hmm. The water would go up to there. Okay, wow. and you know it's kind of hard to get a perspective on it because you're looking at it on a video. Go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. Like there. Nope. All uh, all the way, all the way back. That's there we the go. Beginning. So you can see where the water is, and then I move the camera a little bit left here in just a second, mm-hmm. or my phone, I guess just I should amazing, say. Amazing, amazing. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how big this little lake was. Keep going. I think it goes a little further, doesn't it? There we go. Stop. So you can see on the far left there where it's got that kind of like dry mud spot. Mm-hmm. So it goes about another 10 feet past what you can see in the camera there. From there all the way to where the water is right now. All that was water last year. Mm. So I think, Shane, it goes even further than what you're thinking in a normal year. Yeah, it just goes way up there. That's terrible. And again, it's hard to get a perspective when you're watching a video on it. But if you're standing there, I'm like. Can I get on my um, soapbox for a second, TK? You can do whatever you want. Those cows had me pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> those weren't cows. Those were bulls. <laughs> Bastards is what they were. They were big bulls, and we wasted too much time because they were just taking up the water hole, and the antelope aren't going to come in when the bulls are. I mean, they had come into a different spot, but that's the spot where they like to come in. So two things I want to say about that blind and those bulls, because there's about half dozen of them or may, maybe eight of them that were in that general area coming to that water spot, mm-hmm. into that dam area there. So the first thing I'll say is I was sitting out there, and it was still too early to really have a lot of activity, probably 6 o'clock or whatever. So sundown was about 7.30. Usually you start getting within the last 30 or 45 minutes is when you start getting most of your activity of sunlight. So we're in, you know, in that 90 minutes of before we get to the last sunlight. And uh, one of those bulls, so you can't see, but behind that blind is about, we'll say, 10 feet. And then there's a pretty steep incline yep. to a road, <laughs> two track, that separates the two sides of the dam. Yeah, like a gulch and the dam. Right. So I'm butted pretty tight up against where this tree is. hill is. Yeah, yeah, yeah right there and i'm sitting there just kind of like i'm calm i'm relaxed i'm out in the middle of nowhere and i'm just kind of watching around and this is not when i was filming that there was no bulls in front of me there's nothing in front of me so i'm just kind of looking around up front 
waiting to see either those deer come walking down or an antelope or whatever. And all of a sudden I hear this crazy ruckus behind me and it like, I mean, I almost shit my pants. <laughs> what was going on is one of those bulls was running up and down this hillside right behind my blind, <laughs> scratching his back on all the foliage back there. <laughs> now, the crazy thing is, is he's probably within three, four five feet of my blind. If he just decided he was going to detour just a little bit and run through my blind, I'm a dead man because <laughs> those bulls are thousand pounds, twelve hundred pounds easy. So if he just decided he was going to run through where my blind was, there's nothing I can do. You can't I, get out of that. I, blind. I hear quick. you. I had one do the same thing, not exactly the same thing to me, but there were multiple times when I was sitting on that water hole. I got out because the bulls were looking at me and they were coming just too close. I'd grab a big mud turd and throw it at them <laughs> and <laughs> a mud ball, and they'd <laughs> walk off. And Wait, I thought, I, thought only, <laughs> I thought only monkeys threw their turds. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was actually a mud ball. <laughs> Okay. A dried mud ball. It's not a cow pie? <laughs> nope. But I know they're there. Those bulls, there are some big bulls in there, and they're the boss of that country, and they don't necessarily like us uh, interrupting their drinking. But, yeah, that, that could be scary because they've been known to knock down a blind or two in their day. So the second story with, the, with those bulls is the first night I was out there is when I saw those big deer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I, I would love to see those deer again, maybe a little bit more footage, that kind of thing. So I'm set out there that second night, and I'm just waiting. We start getting to the point where, like, it's getting dusk out there, and the sun's starting to go down. We're probably within 30 minutes of that literally sundown time. I'm, like, getting so excited because I'm like, the deer are going to be coming any time now because there's a, tr a track, which you could see in the first video she showed, right. that, that crested that hill right there where they would have just come over that little hill from one side of the ranch mm -hmm. and they would just cross right by the blind past the, that dam area. And I was like, so excited. Cause I'm like, I can't wait to see this deer come through here again. Maybe like another deer or more deer or whatever. And wouldn't you know it, those asshole bulls <laughs> come walking right on down like five or six of them, right? Exactly at that time to get a drink. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Just killed it. So as three or four of those bulls come walking down a doe, and one of those big bucks came walking across the side of the dam in front of me and got to where they would come down that little hill right there like they had the previous night. Uh -huh. And instead of coming down and going out in front where they were, they just took a right and went back out the other side. Sure. Oh, just killed me. <laughs> just killed me. I'm like, come on. Oh, well, you got to see him. I did. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It was cool. It was cool. I mean, that's half the reason to be out there, right? Yeah, seeing all the animals and. Amazing. Like in that bear stand the other night, we saw a ton of animals. Yeah. Just nat, you know, songbirds and, uh, you know, raccoons and stuff. But we saw a lot of game animals. We saw deer. We saw bear. We saw turkeys. We saw grouse. Sandhill cranes. Baldy. Oh, wait a minute. You can't shoot bald eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Can't take this guy anywhere. <laughs> TK, one of the things I wanted to mention um, is giving credit where credit's due. When we go on these hunts, we always eat like kings. Oh, gosh. Because not only do we bring snacks, because snacks are important, right? Yep. But our beautiful and ever-so-talented wives always prepare yep. some meals for us. Right, right. And I got a photo here, Danny, of uh, one of the nights we were set down to, to eat. And this is TK's. Boiled dinner. Boiled dinner. That's... Uh 
venison sausage, maple venison sausage, and cabbage, and mushrooms, and carrots, and celery, and tomatoes. Love it. It was incredibly delicious. We're sat down in our fancy hunting shack. A couple of bottled jello jackets. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, Yeah, we always eat good. And then Lynn Mize makes her uh, world-famous oatmeal and raisin cookies. Amazing. She should have a booth at the fair. She should. She'd kick what's-her-name's ass. Grandma, right out of there. Get Grandma's cookies right out of there. I mean, hers are phenomenal. What's that, Danny? You're in. Yeah. Yeah, so we uh, we always eat like kings. Now, this year, my wife, for the antelope trip, she made shepherd's pie. And I know you're not a big fan of peas. <laughs> but uh, like a like a true champ, you ate them anyway. <laughs> he's, yep. a, he's a shitter guy, <laughs> whether he's throwing <laughs> it or taking one. Whatever will help me poop. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they call it taking a shit when you're really leaving one? <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh yeah so we uh yeah so between the the beverage selection which you could see we had the uh the as ryan would say the coors lattes and um and some sodas and water and juice and like all that stuff and the snacky stuff and we have some prepared dinners you made the boil you also made an excellent chili that was delicious oh yeah and uh, my wife my wife made the shepherd's pie which was really good and uh, so we we ate uh, we ate very well while we were out there. So what do you think you guys' takeaway from this trip? Because like every trip has something, right? Like obviously Shane, it might be your sh- stupid chair. Ooh, I said the Effenheimer, the chair. <coughs> that chair. That, that chair. That's that's the Woodenville talking. But I know, right? I'm sweating back here, just so everybody knows. We did tell you it was oh. 120 proof, right? Oh my god. Anyways, uh, what do you guys think your takeaway from this hunting trip would be? Well. Myself, the takeaway is uh, hanging out with our guests or our, the people that put us up on their ranch. Is, it's always just a thrill and a treasure just to be with them. They're such great people. Uh, and it's a whole different world, man. They're, uh, you know, they're ranchers, man. They're big-time cattle ranchers, and we don't see that around here, not in the magnitude that they are doing it. And uh, they're so nice to us. And uh, They are. It's such spectacular country. Um, hunting is always great you know it's harvesting an animal I feel blessed to have uh, taken an antelope and uh, the camaraderie is always good Uh, he's got some farmyard rituals that he goes through every day that are a little bit annoying and loud (laughs) we'll work on those (laughs) Um, it was your chili yeah are we talking about Shane or? Yeah, okay. she's with us now. <laughs> she's catching up. But I don't know. It's a spectacular hunt. You know, whether you get an animal or not, they're always great. Getting the animal is the icing on the cake, you know. Yeah. Being in a different country and seeing how spectacular the scenery is. That's amazing. And the people and the lifestyle. Uh, it's just cool. What do you take away from it? Uh, I will echo a lot of what you said, but also add to that. Um, that I'm pumped about this trip in particular because I feel like we found a couple of fantastic right. spots. Right, right. And so when we get the chance to go back at the end of you know next summer, next early fall, we already know rather than having to burn a day of right. you know okay what's happened in the last year, what's the terrain like, we know already 
these are two great spots to go and get set up on. Mm -hmm. And so rather than, you know, having some wishy-washy hunting for one or two days and then a couple of solid hunting days, we're going to get a lot more value out of the trip with the amount of time in blind. Right, right. And I won't be bringing a noisy-ass chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, credit work. So speaking of shout-outs and credit where credit's due, we did bring the chair back. Yeah. And we went into Full Draw Outdoors, talked to our guy Willie, who owns Full Draw, and brought the chair in and said, you know, this is an expensive chair, and it was loud and he said, okay, let's get it out and took it out. And he sat his rear end down and he weighs more than I do. He's six, yeah. two and probably 230 pounds. And he sat down as soon as he sat down, I went, Rah! he was like, okay. <laughs> How did that chair make it into the hunting market is what I want to know. So the thing, to, the thing to me is it's a design flaw because it is a tripod right. chair that like collapses. And the way that it sets up is in the middle underneath where your rear end goes. There is a, um, uh, turn like a three-sided rubber coated piece that locks the three legs into place right but the legs are plastic and this triangular piece that sits in the middle that spins and locks them in place is rubberized right and it, it, it made like three distinct different noises it got dust in there yeah. and then it was creaky oh you know is what i think the issue was yeah but maybe so like i said to give credit where credit's due Full Draw Outdoors. We love yep. those guys. We spent a lot of time with, with Willie and his staff. And when we were in there and I brought the chair in and stuff, he said, no questions asked. Let's get you a new chair. Yeah, he he offered your money back or give me another 40 bucks and I'll give you a better chair. Yeah, and he gave me a, a pretty significant <laughs> upgrade. I'd have taken the money back because I would just use my camp chair. <laughs> his camp chair with the, like, crazy one-sided, been screwed together six times now. <laughs> Served me well. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. So, well, that was the hunting trip. Tell them, uh, tell them about on the way home. We almost died on the way home. Oh we yeah, did. I've been waiting for this story. That was a bad deal. That we was have a, a really bad deal. We have a few things to say about the way home. So we're on the way home, and the like earliest story is we're not far out of you know forty five minutes out of where we. Again, keeping in mind this is a 12- or 13-hour drive back mm -hmm. because of our limited speed or limited capacity for speed with the camper. And we're cruising out on a main road. You know, it's a highway. And uh, we're just oh. moseying along. And uh, I think you were trying to nap at the time probably. And I'm driving, and I look up. and I Oh, that's right. I never even saw it. See this. I'm, like, almost speechless talking about it. What would clearly be a world record, <laughs> world record mule deer. This thing was huge, huge mule deer. The body on this thing looked like a small horse, and the antlers on this thing were easily three feet tall. I mean, huge deer, huge. And there was a, you know, the, the sides of the road everywhere out there, you know, there's a, a, a ditch. And this thing has got its front legs up on the edge of the side of the road, just about to pavement. And the rear legs of this thing are almost at the bottom of the ditch. So it's almost at a 45-degree angle. And it's got its body all perched up. And it's looking back at me as we're coming up the road. And I was like, I should have said, TK, look I at the deer. I wish you would have said something a split second sooner because by the time I got my eyes on the road, we'd gone past it. And he was just like, going crazy about how huge this deer was huge 
Huge. And, you know, pulling that trailer going 65 miles an hour, it's not that easy to you can't slam on the brakes and turn around. No. So I never got to saw the darn thing. And we didn't get, you know, within probably 100 yards of it and it turned around and ran back into the cornfield that it was just had just come out of. But I was like, I've never seen a deer that big in my whole life. It was huge deer. Huge. God, I wish I'd have seen that. So hopefully that one doesn't get caught by predators. If somebody gets a chance to feed their family on that yeah. thing and put that thing on their wall because that was an incredibly big deer. Right. So then shortly after that. <laughs> well, then we get to the road construction. Road construction. Uh, that I tried to sleep through, but that wasn't too bad. Yeah. So anyway, so road construction and we get a little farther west and or sorry, east, heading back east. And we're driving along and TK is trying to nap again. <laughs> we have an issue, you know, you know, when two guys go out west, you know, you try to get into a rhythm where one guy can sleep and the other guy drive and then vice versa. But we don't we haven't hit that spot yet. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't that. hit that rhythm because, you know, when you're going out, you're always so excited. No one can sleep anyway. Yeah. But it's something guys got to work at to do. And we didn't. So you did most of the driving. That's all right. Yeah. You're it's young. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> young ish. Uh, so anyway, TK did most of the sleeping is what you're saying. <laughs> no, he didn't sleep much. No, he doesn't. TK has a hard time sleeping. He's he needs, yeah, a, period. He needs a rubber mallet and a phone book. There you go to get into nap mode, which is going to be part of my hunting pack going <laughs> forward. Anyway, so we're we're driving along. He's trying to sleep, and uh, and I'm still driving, and not much further than where this road construction was because all this between deer road construction, this next incident was probably an hour. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're talking about a pretty tight timeline here. Anyway, so we're cruising down the road. And uh, I'm, I look up and I see this pickup that's, you know, in the opposite lane coming toward us. And he just starts drifting into our lane. And I was like, oh, as he started getting closer to the line, I'm thinking he's adjusting his seatbelt or he's moving something or whatever. He's clearly looking down at his phone. He's, he'll, he'll correct. She. He'll correct. Oh, it was him. I saw oh, was him. it. Yeah. He'll correct is what I'm thinking in my head. He gets halfway into our lane and we're within a couple hundred yards of him. And again, we're doing 65. He's probably doing at least 65. We're literally seconds away from a head-on collision. We're already, by the time I get my head up, we're already on the gravel on the side of the road pulling I've, that big camper. I've pulled as far to the right as I can without us going in the ditch. Like, I've just kind of slowly moved, maneuvered my wife's Yukon XL, which is, you know, it's loaded. So it's got leather and all that stuff. So this thing's, this bitch is heavy. <laughs> and then we got the camper behind us. So I'm not making any like real dramatic athletic moves with this rig. I'm moving slowly over to the side of the road, Use just trying to like warp scan filter. Right. And give this, give this guy as much room as I can as, as I start moving stiff. that direction. And this guy just keeps drifting, 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 drifting. He gets easily half or three quarters of the way into our lane. Like I've got nowhere to go. And at this point we're, we're destined for head on collision. And and I, I don't know, did I make a sound or something? Oh, you were hammering the horn. You were laying on the horn. And he finally looked up and threw it back into his own lane. I mean, another second, I think, would be done. Oh, less than a second, probably. Yeah, I mean, he just barely missed us. And he pulled his head up because he was clearly looking down. You could see he had one hand kind of in front of him. And like TK said, he had his head down. Ah. <sighs> 
It doesn't take much, man. It's, you can't be texting and driving or be distracted in whatever form that is. Because we, and you know, uh, for those of you that go out west or go on any road trips, you hit that soft gravel on the side of the road, sometimes it don't matter. It pulls it's just right going to pull you right in. And I thought for sure it was going to pull us in that trailer, and we were going to be a mess in the Thank ditch. God. Yeah. Over, you know, that. I, Whew. Yeah, I was watching the gravel because I'm like, I gotta keep this, tr I gotta keep this bitch, <laughs> meaning my wife's truck, and this trailer on the pavement because I know, you know, TK and yeah. I, you know, we both have traveled a lot, hunting or not. I know I can't get in the gravel because it might. You pull did me get in the gravel a little bit, just a a little. I know, but if it would have been a little bit more, <laughs> I think it would have sucked us right down. Yeah, we would have been, we'd have been rolling for sure. And uh, do that sucking noise again. <laughs> That a girl. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be twenty dollars. Thank you. Oh, discount today, <laughs> on sale. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, get the stripper in there. See how she does that. <laughs> so, <laughs> how am I supposed to keep doing the show? <laughs> uh, right? Give yourself about six. Oh, <laughs> Shane, I caught that. Give yourself about six rim shots. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so I'm laying on the horn, get over as far as I can. Finally, the guy at the last possible millisecond realizes that he's about to die because <laughs> in a collision like that, for those of you that don't know, the likelihood of not only him but Tom and I surviving is is almost nothing. I told Shane, I said, last thing you can do with that is hammer to that accelerator to the ground because you want to be going faster than he is. Right. And we had our seatbelts on. Um, oh yeah, always. At that speed and that kind of weight and all yeah, that it stuff, it would have been ugly. It would have been real bad. Thank you, Father, for saving us. Right, exactly. So he's we, no kidding. He's looked out for me a lot of times in my life. <laughs> thank you, thank I, you. Sometimes I feel like I'm God's favorite. Do you ever feel that way? <laughs> yeah. Okay. For sure. So yeah. So anyway, that was uh, that was the most exciting part of our getting back into town. Um, and then you didn't get any sleep. You had a big, you had a big event the next day. I mean, you didn't get home till four o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I got home and I slept. I think I slept till noon the next day. That wasn't an option for me because I had my yeah. slave driver Jill. Yep. <laughs> tell me I had to be on site at eleven or eleven thirty or whatever in Taylor's Falls, which is an hour plus drive from right. our place. So I probably slept about five hours by the time I got home. And you did? You got five hours? About five. Oh, really? Yeah. Luckily, uh, the wife let me sleep. She kept the kids distracted. So basically, I slept, set my alarm for oh, that's something. 945 or something, and yeah. then got up and put my stuff on right away, knowing that we had this mud run set up. It was an event that we had planned way ahead of time. Jill, my lovely assistant, executive assistant, uh, put this thing together in honor of my friend that died. <laughs> A buddy of mine that died last year of brain cancer. Right. And uh, he'd been asking me for years to do mud because he had an ob obsession with mud runs. So he'd been asking me to do one of these mud runs with him. And I always said I would. And, and of course, never followed through on it because that's just how we are as humans. And mm -hmm. then he died. So didn't have that opportunity to do this with him. And right away, when Jill came on board with my real estate company, I said, this is one of these things we got to do in the next year. So she did the research online, found this mud run, put the whole thing together. We got T-shirts made that had a memorial for him on them to kind of honor his memory and then put together a team of people that were going to come and run with us. And that just happened to be the literally the day that we got back in town. Yeah. 
And so we raced had across. Had that event had that event not been scheduled, right? Uh, we'd have stayed out there another day or two, at least for yeah. sure. Let me try to fill my tag too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, we got back into town here and got camper dropped off, got you squ- situated, got you squared away. I, you know, drove the hour back to my place and climbed right into the sack and uh, slept that five hours, got up, and was running on pure adrenaline that whole next Ooh. day to get through that mud run. But it worked out. I'm all out of your adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> we finished it. We finished the mud run, and, uh, you know, Jill was there with her fiancé, Chris, and uh, my wife was there and uh, a bunch of other folks that joined us for that, which worked out great, and everybody except one, which t- to his credit i won't mention him by name but to his credit it was better that he didn't try to finish because it could have you know he wasn't we'll just say in the physical conditioning to do Mm. this kind of thing right so he wanted to do it because he was a real good friend of my buddy as well right so he wanted to try to honor him and he did what would easily be the most difficult part of it to start this mud run with this giant hill up and down he did that and that was enough um to keep him from getting injured or whatever and then the rest of us finished the course and uh you know, we got our, you know, symbolic medals or whatever that you get, the T-shirts, that kind of thing. You know, it's kind of fun to, uh, for us to be able to uh, go on a hunt, yep. come back and relive it through the video and uh, talk about it on a podcast because, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of hunts that I've had in my life, you know, they're great. You take pictures and they're a great memory. But, boy, you don't really get to share them with other people and, Unless of the people that you're there with, and that's always great. And that's a big part of the whole process for me, hunting, is the camaraderie, sharing the experience with people, friends, and then coming home, sharing it with your family, and certainly sharing the food. But this is just another whole element to it where we can uh, share our experience with other people. And uh, if they don't want to hear about our hunt, you know, that's fine. They can turn the station or whatever. No, they can't. Oh, you can't. They you stick with us. Yeah, and you're done. You stay with us. Damn it. We didn't even talk about how we almost died. Yeah. During the hunt from gas. Oh, <laughs> you, you're an exaggerator. What we got the, the campers about? got a, the heater. We pulled the old heater out because it don't work, and we jammed a pencil down the old bo- gas bo- holes. Bo- <laughs> We're gonna talk about jamming stuff in holes. Before we get to that, <laughs> we before we did that. Right. You know, we're trying to. Yeah, cook we're food. trying to light the stove. That is true. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. We're trying to light the <laughs> stove, and the stove's not lighting. I'm like, I just don't understand. We had it lit before, yeah, and it just makes no sense because it's not rocket science. No, it's like it should be laying. Yes. So we got the gas on, and we're turning this over. And so finally, we said heck with it, and we went to bed. And I think we just ate snacks. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I said, I know why that stove ain't lighting. It's because we pulled the heater out, yeah. and all the gas was coming in through where the heater used to be into the camper, and we're trying to light the stove. Because it never all got the gas is flowing into the camper. And I know there's a lot of you thinking, well, you guys are a couple of idiots. Because we are. You know, it was ventilated enough to where. But we turned the gas off before we went to bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we realized we couldn't get the stove functioning, we just thought it was an issue with the stove, so we turned right. the gas off. So yeah, thanks for reminding me that. <laughs> I'm like, like, why are we why smelling isn't gas? That stove the, lighting. Oh, like the stove is not lighting, but we can smell gas clearly. So, so. we took a number two pencil or whatever regular pencil and did one layer of uh, electrical tape, jammed it in there. He ran that sucker in there good, and it sealed it up. 
there's probably some more people going, you fools. That doesn't work. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> it did. Yes. Because I actually took a layer to it. Yep. And there's nothing. <laughs> Shane's there. like, don't do that. <laughs> going to kill us. Blow us up. Yeah. So little electrical tape, number two pencil, which is the same diameter as the gas line. Yep. Force that sucker in there as tight as not only he, but I could get it in there. And then, again, taped that opening again right, afterward. Right, right. And it was sealed up tight and as the ground. Then the stove worked. Stove worked great. That's funny. <laughs> What's All funny? Right. Oh, yeah. So I, th I think we probably should bring this plane in for a landing. Yep. I think we've, we've covered about as much of this trip as we want to cover. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to uh, us <laughs> ramble on about our trip. And uh, maybe so, maybe someday we can get a contest or something where we can take people with us. Yeah, that, that will definitely be on the horizon. We'll take yeah. a fan. or I know Jill has been real – uh, eager to get out and do some hunting so we can do that too i'm eager to send my husband with you as well yeah well he needs to hunt too we have a big banner that we're going to give away i don't know how we're going to do that but we have a big we fest banner oh yeah yeah we'll figure that out we'll do that in the, yeah. in the next podcast we'll have a conversation about how it's we want to handle Blake that. sheldon yep florida georgia line fgl yeah yeah who we met eating supper now, who's the third guy? Dirk Spentley. Dirk Spentley. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we're going to bring this thing in. It's yep. been a lot of fun tonight. It's been a, it was an amazing trip, even though um, we had a lot of craziness going on. I think that adds to the excitement of uh, the adventure. And we always have adventures when we hunt together. I'm looking forward to more of that. We got deer coming up. We potentially got another elk trip with John Basinger coming up. Yep. Yep. So that'll uh, that'll all be real yeah, good. It's, the year is not complete if I don't get out west uh, after an elk. Yeah. You know, I've, I don't think I've missed a year of elk hunting since I met my bride and we went on our first since date. Since 1927. <laughs> went on our first date when she helped me, uh, me and Robin, butcher for elk. That was my first date with my wife. We talked it's about amazing. it before. We did. But that was 32 years ago, and I've never <laughs> missed a year of elk hunting. Yeah. Well, we're going to uh, hopefully uh, get that sucker checked off the, the list this year. Yeah. Make yeah. make that happen with we got John. Some deer hunting and some yeah, bird do. hunting and giddy up, giddy Close on up, up, brother. Folks, thanks for coming out and joining us for this week's episode of Boots and Backstraps. Remember to please pinwheel the like button and uh, make sure that you are sharing this on a. Um, oh, oh, you're giving me solo. Sorry, I'm on the two cam. <laughs> I know, get it, fire me. If you're watching this right now, hope you're enjoying the entertainment. <laughs> good thing we got someone that can edit yeah we don't need to edit that out leave it in it's funny all right so make sure you pin with the like button because uh want to make sure that you're we're getting your feedback about the show so leave comments as well make sure you share this episode and all those things help the algorithm and it doesn't matter what platform you're on whether it's one of the audio only platforms the video platform the video stuff especially as danny mentioned earlier the youtube thing is great because you can see all the pictures you can see the videos that we're posting throughout the episode and uh, make sure you head over to our Facebook and our Instagram and our Twitter. And we've got a TikTok that is in the process as well. So we have lots of little oh, clips. Oh, it's going. It's going. Lots of little clips on TikTok. TikTok? TikTok. I want to say Twitter. TikTok um, of the episodes that we are filming. So make sure you get over there and check those out. We definitely appreciate the support. And uh, if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube and other channels, why? Tell me right now, why have you not done it? It's right down there. Just do it. 
Hit the button. Do us a favor and hit the button. TK, bring this plane in for a landing, brother. All right. Well, folks, whether you're belting out your favorite country song or out there pursuing your favorite game animal, I encourage you to use that same passion to pursue the Lord. He'll teach you to shoot straight. Thanks for turning in and turning in. Turning in. Come on now. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Boots and Backstraps is proudly brought to you by Homes by Shane. Make your move with the Homes by Shane team. Commitment to community and unparalleled customer service are the foundation of this REMAX results referral-based business. Their driven team of experts communicate with their clients every step of the way, ensuring a memorable experience from the first conversation through your closing day. Go to homesbyshane.com. Let's get you home. is on looking for back straps way deep in the woods tracking in a swamp to a hay field under the harvest moon when the tags are filled it's time to switch up our boots head down to the honky tonk get us a swing dance or two we're talking about boots and back straps